Hey, my name's Emma. Hey, my name's Maddie. And you're listening to The Pilot's Pandemic. Airfare, healthy snacks on the go. Airfare curates and delivers healthy snacks to flight crew, travelers, and aviation businesses. They've sourced more than 50 snacks from small businesses across North America. Hundreds of pilots love these snacks because they are healthy, unique, and have a long shelf life. And they're perfect for keeping you feeling great in the flight deck. Our listeners can get 50% off their first order of customizable snacks using our discount code Pilots Podcast at checkout. So go visit airfarepouch.com to check out all the snack options and learn more. Again, that's airfarepouch.com to use our code Pilots Podcast for 50% off your first order of truly healthy snacks. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Pilots Pandemic. You're here with your host, Emma, and our lovely co-host, Maddie. Hey, fam. What's up? And this week we have like, I actually like a kind of fun episode. I'm super excited to kind of get into some aviation lore today. But, you know, as always, top of the show this past weekend, what you been up to, Maddie? So it's more like the week because I since I recovered from COVID, I was like, I need to get out of my house. Cause I had been probably in my apartment for a good, you know, 10 plus days and I was getting cabin fever. So I told my husband, cause we were sick on July 4th. So originally we would have been in Chelan, but I didn't go. And so I wanted to go back to my hometown of Chelan cause it's a big lake town and it's just like a big tourist town really, but it's over the mountains. So it's about four and a half hours away. So it feels like you're totally like transporting into another place. Um, And it's a lot different from Western Washington. So we went over there um, and we decided we were going to go camping, even though my mom lives there. We wanted to do um, like a camp out and we went to the state park there and it's just right on the water. So you could walk from your campsite right to the lake and hop in. And so the first night we got there, we did that. And then the second day we went into town and hung out with my mom and my niece and just hung out at the lake the whole day. Cause that's like the whole reason I wanted to go is just to like have the cleansing properties of the Lake Chelan water. Cause it is like <laughs> one of the cleanest lakes. I was like, this is going to take my full COVID away. Like I was still like so fatigued when I went, I still felt kind of sick and I had lost my taste and smell. So I still couldn't like, I really didn't have an appetite or anything. But I just knew like if I went swimming, like it would just help. And it and it did. Did um, it decalcify your third eye? <laughs> it totally <laughs> did, dude. I really think it did. <laughs> I felt like detox. Yes, yeah, Shaland detox. It was funny because the the last night when we were camping out, we the people that were there the night before had left. So we had new campers camping next to us. And they're literally like not even 20 feet away. Um, and it's like 10 o'clock and, and, you know, I go to bed early, but 10 o'clock is like the sun's down. It's nothing really to be had. Like, you're not going to be doing anything at that time, but these campers, they just came in and they fucking started blasting their music. And I'm like, guys, it's like nine 55 at night. Like 
Why? <laughs> Guys, it's literally 9.55. Hey, quiet hours at 10, though. That was my issue. I was like, the fuck? I was so pissed. And they started a fire and it's hot as hell out. Like it's Eastern Washington is like hot at night. It's not cold. Yeah. And the fire is literally 10, 15 feet from our tent. So I was getting so angry. I was like, my blood was starting to boil in the fire. I was like, literally a fire at 10 o'clock at night. Like, I'm just being an asshole really. I think, cause I just want to go to bed. Um, but then, and then they started playing their music. So I was like, Jesse, what time is it? He's like, it's 955. I'm like, it's it's like five minutes from quiet time. So I get out of my tent and I look at this girl because she's the one playing the music. And I was like, is that your music? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, can you turn it off? <laughs> and she's like, it's not the quiet hour yet. And I was like, Bitch. <laughs> I was about to go off on her, but I didn't say anything. And I was like, if the quiet hour was an hour ago, even though it wasn't, um, and, and then Jesse gets out of the tent he's like, she's like, I'll turn it off in, in five minutes when it's the quiet hour. And then Jesse's like, okay, five minutes. So then I knew we were leaving the next morning and I looked at Jesse and I said, tomorrow morning when we get up, we are going to be as loud as fucking possible. Cause I knew we'd be waking up at like five or 6am. <laughs> Yo, and that's y'all exactly are what I did. Okay. This is giving like. I mean, honestly, I hate to say it, Maddie. This is giving like like sixty year old Karen energy. Like, oh, I was a Karen. I will. You said it's up, five minutes till quiet hour. Can you turn off your music? Like, these kids are just trying to have fun. It was so loud. <laughs> she said, "Oh my hey, fucking bitch. god!" Like, I literally. If your wanna- tent says rental. <laughs> if your tent says rental on it. I, you're gonna have problems with me because I'm like these people are not real campers. Like oh, they, they had a rental tent. They rented a tent. This is the typical oh, Seattle the way. This is the Seattle way of doing things. Like you pretend like you like camping, so you go, but then you have all of your technology and everything is about you. Like that was the vibe I was getting. I knew they were from Seattle, and when I woke up in the morning and I saw that they had a rental tent, I was like, oh, they're getting it because. I'm like an avid camper. I will do overnights like where I hike 10 miles overnight and then come back. Like, you know, I like camping for real. Okay, um, we get it. Granola. It's giving kook of the day. Like that's yeah. how I feel when I go skiing and I see people on rental skis, even though like I'm on a pair of rental skis, they're just like demos. Cause like I get an employee <laughs> discount. Yeah, but I'm like, oh, what the fuck? Like, literally, ew, <laughs> yeah. scum. They aren't real campus, but dude. So, like, when we woke up in the morning, though, like, we slammed our door like 15 to 20 times, and then Jesse like backed up right near their tent, and like, like we just like drove right past it, like we were like inches away. I'm like, I'm sure that woke him up, and I was gonna be so petty and turn on my Pandora and blast music because it was the quiet hour in the morning is 6:30 a.m. And so I was like, dude, I'm just going to do what they did to us. And I'll be like, oh, it's not the quiet hour anymore. But I didn't, you know, so, you know, I was a little bit respectful, but I slammed the door. Like We're a little far away from Scorpio season for you to be acting (laughs) that way. (laughs) Like, I could understand if I came with that bullshit because we're encroaching on Leo season, but damn girl. Okay. Like, I mean... 
that's it like, was my covid brain i blame it bro. on the covid <laughs> that's honestly a funny story because i'm like i love both ends of it because like i am low-key both people like <laughs> if i want to party and i want to turn up and we can play music for another five minutes oh we're bumping a sticky beat for the rest of these five minutes but also if like i'm tired hungover which i literally said on the last episode i was like if you're that person that's hungover and you drag the whole group down like shame on you but (laughs) (laughs) i mean i remember like i've been there where like you know when my boyfriend used to have roommates it'd be like 11 o'clock at night they're partying hard they got the music thumping and i just want to go to sleep and that is a very annoying feeling but I will say 955 bibs 955 there was no partying okay this was like a very kid friendly like family friendly area so like and they yeah they already messed up it was not like a party vibe like at the campsite at all like it was just them with their music like she and she turned it on so late that I was like I don't know what vibe they're trying to have because everybody's going to bed um and I was like I know I'm not the only one trying to sleep right now so yeah they obviously messed up choosing I mean their spot I mean like here in Charleston like we literally pick where we're gonna go on the boat depending on if it's a family-friendly area or not because we want to blast our tunes we want to get ratchet we want to shake our booty you know what I mean um but obviously we're like socially aware enough and socially adapt enough to not pull up to the family spot and shake our booty this campsite was kid infested there were children everywhere ew god nasty little paws and boogers everywhere (laughs) you talk about covid (laughs) I knew I wasn't gonna get it from them but yeah it was uh other than that girl that obviously pissed me off so bad I had to tell you guys on the podcast god yeah she time. triggered you <laughs> she did I was like, what does she look I, like what's her address where does I, she live I didn't even give her time like I didn't even look at her really Jesse glanced at her and he was like yeah she's a bitch and I was like yeah and I could tell I want so my thing was like I want to go out there I was literally about to like strip my clothes off just because it was her and her man I was like, I bet if I went out there naked, it would really make her upset. And I was going to strip my clothes off, sit in my camp chair right next to their fire and just be like, okay. I thought this place was kid infested. (laughs) It was, but that was why I didn't take my clothes off. Cause I was like, she's like, it's kid infested until it's (laughs) not until it's fucking five minutes from quiet hour. Like I will show my titties. My sleep bitch. This is literally bringing me back to sun and fun. Oh my fuck, bro! What I what Jess said about my face in that moment, I I cannot forget. Like it, I I feel so prudish. Like uh, okay, anyway, sorry that was like sidetracking. But every single time, Maddie loves like a little bit of public indecency. (laughs) Yeah, your titty came out. (laughs) Is that what you're talking about? (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm talking about remember when we left and there were all the trucks and you were like, Oh yeah, you let's know. flash them. Oh yeah. yeah. And I low-key was like, Yeah, let's do it. But then I didn't think Maddie was serious. Maddie was not capping. Okay. Maddie was like, I like Dude, that's yes. how you know I'm a little bullshitter. I'm a little fucking liar. Cause I was straight up like, Yeah, let's do it. Honk honk. Like, ew, you want to see these fucking headlights, these titties? Yeah. <laughs> until it was game time and I was like Zach starts rolling down the window I know and you're like oh, Zachary! 
no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I'm a okay. wholesome girl. I'm a wholesome. I'm a wholesome girl. I'm from the south. I went to Manners Camp. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I went to Manners Camp, so at least I would know when quiet hour is. <laughs> if uh, someone asked you to turn your music off, you would have like, okay, yes, ma'am. Sorry, ma'am. Yeah, literally, literally, I would have, I would have gotten down probably on my knees and started crying and been like, oh my fucking God, I'm so sorry. Like, literally, I cannot believe that I haven't inconvenienced you this much. Please accept this $5 Starbucks gift card from me. (laughs) That's what I wanted to hear. And that's not what I heard from her. (laughs) Yeah, I always act like in those situations that I would hold my own ground, but I absolutely would not. There's no way. There's no way I would literally cripple fold crumble immediately. (laughs) (sighs) Softer than a Krispy Kreme y'all. Anyways, we were about to talk about my weekend, but there really was no weekend. I mean, I worked, so I don't really want to talk about work. Maddie's story was a lot more fun. So (laughs) we'll kind of just roll into this week's episode Like I said, we're going to talk about some aviation lore, and I kind of wanted to talk about this because, A, first, hold on, I feel like I'm about to burp. I'm like, I feel like I need to burp, too. I I just did. We're fine. We're fine. So, first off, had never heard about this story until one of our listeners told us about it, and secondly... We love, I mean, love, love, love anything or anyone when it pertains to a medical issue against the FAA. Um, So yeah, Mad, I'll let you get into who is Bob Hoover and his origin story. Yeah. So Bob Hoover is the goat of aviation, I feel like, of all the things I read about him. Everybody loved Bob Hoover. Um, he was born in 1922, died in 2016 at 94 years old. So he had a long life of aviation. Um, it's very impressive. He Hoover learned to fly at Berry Field in Nashville, Tennessee, while working at a local grocery store to pay for his flight training. And then he enlisted in the Tennessee National Guard and was sent for pilot training with the United States Army. And then during World War II, Hoover was sent to Casablanca where his first major assignment was flight testing the assembled aircraft ready for service. And he was later assigned to the submarine Spitfire equipped 52nd fighter group in Sicily, Italy. So on February 9th, 1944 on his 59th mission, his malfunctioning Mark V or five Spitfire. I think it's, I, I, I'm assuming five, but who the fuck now? (laughs) Yeah. Like all these military warbird i don't know anything about him um but he was shot down by an enemy pilot in a fock wolf fw 190 off the coast of southern france and then he was taken prisoner and he spent 16 months at stalag luft one a german prisoner of war camp in barth germany so kind of crazy life that he led as a prisoner of war too like insane 16 months and like this is kind of like they made this a little bit of a footnote of his story because he's way more well known for what he did towards the end of his career but I thought this was pretty remarkable because obviously you know anything about history you know anything about the war like that's just that's a situation most folks don't recover from so for him to have gone on to do what he did 
is pretty incredible. But yeah, so you guys already know he escaped, but you'll never guess how. So one night due to the conditions in the camp, there was a riot and a fight involving several thousand inmates. And Hoover used this opportunity to scale a fence and escape, despite the fact that President Dwight Eisenhower, I'm assuming he was the president at the time, had issued an order for prisoners to no longer attempt to escape due to the rapid advance of the allies. So kind of, I guess the thinking there was don't escape. We're going to come rescue you soon. We don't want to lose you, but girl, girl, bye. If I had the opportunity to escape, I'm a skip in. So he was joined by two other POWs and together they made their way down a dirt road to a German farmhouse where a lone woman made the starving men some food. As they were leaving, Hoover wrote a note for her to give the American army in the coming weeks that stated that she had assisted the three men and to treat her kindly. The woman also gave the trio a handgun with several magazines. Okay, Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, like, I just, I love, like, anytime they include, like, the small facts like that, I'm just like, okay, she a shooter. <laughs> she from the streets. All right, so, yeah, it, just a little small little sub note. So yeah, the men obtained bicycles and they rode for several miles before they came across a seemingly abandoned airfield. Hoover, being a pilot, began inspecting all the planes, but all seemed pretty damaged and unworthy of flight. He eventually found a reconnaissance plane, the Falkwolf FW-190, with some damage, but full tank of fuel. A German mechanic stunned the trio by sneaking up on them and demanding they halt, but almost immediately had a gun pointed at him as Hoover demanded he start the engine of the plane that he was investigating. So Maz runs up on him and is like, yo, I don't, I don't know German, whatever. Some like crazy, you know, German, put down your weapons. Um, and homeboy, one of the other homeboys is like, nah, you put down your weapon and start this motherfucking plane for us to leave, which is so badass i'm sorry but yes 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 i mean i'm just snapping yes okay with the engine started hoover made a deal that since the aircraft only had room for one other occupant that the oh for only one occupant that the two other pow's would keep the gun and aid in their escape he did not even taxi towards the runway he simply hit the throttle heading straight out across the field and took off bro just when i read that like I was like this is literally giving me the top, top gun, gun vibes yep. like I literally thought of that I was like bro it's Tom Cruise and um the goose's son can't remember his name yeah when uh, they mm-hmm. rooster is it rooster yes yeah uh, rooster and like when they were stuck and they were like no runway and like we got to take off and like in this crazy plane and and they do it that's exactly what it reminded me of I wonder if that's where they got the inspiration Cause you know, like just like weird history. I feel like that has to be, I feel like this is aviation lore. I just don't know about it because I'm not deep enough into like aviation lore and aviation geek stuff. Well, but, in case, you know, Bob's dead now and he was old and you know, you just don't hear about these things unless you like dive into all this aviation stuff. Um, but yeah, I, maybe they did. Maybe that was like the the like inspiration you never know somebody might just know about his story and they were writing this up and they were like yo this was badass we should do this oh yeah you're probably right 
I didn't even think about that. It probably was like the inspiration behind that scene, maybe. Um, so after the war, Bob was assigned to flight test duty at Wilbur Wright Field near Dayton, Ohio. There he impressed and befriended Chuck Yeager. And then when Yeager was later asked whom he wanted for flight crew for the supersonic Bell X-1 flight, because Yeager's the one who broke the sound barrier, um, he asked Bobby Boy to be his man. I think uh, I remember reading this too. Sorry. I'm not trying to read verbatim off my notes, but like, I remember reading about that and I was like, that's really cool. Um, Cause if Yeager wouldn't have been able to go, then Bob would have done it. So um, Hoover left the air force for civilian jobs in 1948. After a brief time with the Allison engine company, he worked as a test demonstration pilot with the North American aviation in which capacity he went to Korea to teach pilots flying combat missions in the Korean War and how to dive bomb with the North American F-86 Sabre. So it's just a lot of skill. Yeah, I know. I'm like, okay, so he was like flying around, you know, joined the military. Then he was like a like a prisoner of war for what 16 months. Then he escapes. Then he like test flights and like breaks the barrier of sound, which did he ever like do that flight? Because that no, part he was, me. I think he was so he was the like backup pilot basically mm. Chuck Yeager is the one who broke the sound ba- barrier but he said if he wasn't able to do it that he wanted Bob who so Bob was kind of like the runner-up like if he wasn't able to um which means he must have yeah he he had to have been like great pilot he was proficient man. yeah 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 I think which makes like a all of pilot. this kind of what we're about to talk about kind of even more like whoa because obviously this man garnered a lot of respect yeah and I mean he had put a lot of time and years into aviation um so after the North Korea his time in North Korea Hoover began flying a North American P-51 Mustang at air shows around the country. So he went on to perform in many air shows between the 60s and 80s until 1992. And then that's where the start of the battle was precipitated by two FAA inspectors who watched the air show that Bob performed in 1992. And then they saw, they, they say they saw some flight maneuvers, which they believe to suggest that the aviator's medical and or mental faculties were less than the regulations required. Um, And the standard was not whether his proficiency at age 70 was exemplary, but whether his skills were those required of all pilots of all ages. Um, Yeah. So this this part of the story, and um, this is going to be something that I will probably repeat throughout the the rest of the episode, but this story gets very deep. We are not going to go into the entire can of worms because we would be sitting here and it would be a two hour long episode. The whole point of today's episode is supposed to be light, fluffy and fun. But I do strongly urge you all to look into this because what the FAA was suggesting was not only to take away Bob's right to fly. They were discussing like everyone at age 60 or it was either 65 or 60 that everyone beyond that age would not be able to hold any kind of medical license or any kind of FAA like aviation license. Um, So obviously when this kind of breaks and hits the news, people are absolutely infuriated. Um, 
And when I was reading this story, you know, we talk a lot about age, especially with the previous episode that we did with all these company negotiations, them raising the age of retirement, et cetera. I kind of felt a little bit torn because, yeah, some could argue maybe it's not practical or safe to have someone that age doing aerobatics. But Maddie, you and I watched Patty Wagstaff perform at Sun and Fun this year. And that woman is, yeah, 70 years old and sharper than a fucking tack. Dude, all the stuff she was doing, I was like, I'm like, can't believe she was doing that. Like, it was amazing. Yeah. Um, And then I think it's ironic now to read this story and these inspectors to say he's, you know, it's basically ageism, in my opinion. Um, But I don't understand. And now they're like, oh, we want to raise the the retirement age to 70, maybe because of the pilot shortage. I think it's ironic. Um, So but honestly, like when I was thinking about this and I was thinking these two FAA inspectors were on the ground watching Bob Hoover do these maneuvers and they, how do they even have the capacity to question his mental faculties when they're just working for the FAA? You know, they don't have any <laughs> real knowledge of the brain. And I'm like, from a, from probably never even had a he, conversation with him. Yeah. Never had a conversation with him. And from him being in the sky, they're like, he's not fit to fly. Like, I just don't understand how they could do that or call his competency into question like that. Um, Especially like at a, like at an air show in an air show type situation, when you're talking about aerobatics, I feel like it'd be really hard to make that call unless it's like a, like a very, very apparent, like in, because in that situation, I feel like if something were to become unsafe or question your mental ability, it would be like a very like, um, obvious thing. You know what I mean? So, um, it's like, what did they see that made them come to this conclusion? I mean, if he wasn't fit to fly, he wouldn't be up there doing those maneuvers and be able to land his plane. I'm just like, I don't understand how they could even question him. Um, but later on in the show, kind of talk about like the whole situation because it, it does from just knowing this happened without any background, I would say, honestly, like what beef do they have with Bob? Like they yeah. must have beef with him because this doesn't make any sense. And honestly, I think it's, that is the hard part about being a pilot is anyone can call your competency into question. And then that literally starts the whole pulling your medical and you doing all of these tests and proving that you are fit to fly, um, which is like, I think it's really messed up (laughs) and it still happens today. So that's a frustrating part. Jealousy is the disease, bitch. Get well soon. (laughs) Yeah. So Bob went on to fly 33 more air shows in front of hundreds of thousands of people without a scratch or a pep from the FAA um, before the FAA issued an unexplainable emergency grounding order um, or emergency order grounding him immediately well over a year after the OKC show that started the whole action. So this was, yeah, over after a year of those two guys being like, "Eh," they decide to pull his medical, which is just 
some bullshit, like we just discussed, literally some bullshit. Um, what followed became a three-year battle for Hoover, during which Hoover obtained, which this is like my favorite part, during which Hoover obtained an Australian pilot's license and medical certificate by Australian's aviation authorities. Like, y'all, the shade at this one, for our country to be like, oh, you're not allowed to fly, and then him just jump, jump ship, go to Australia, get certified, and keep on doing what he's doing without a scratch is so funny to me, but yeah, his story developed into an immense industry-wide protest of a scope that had never been seen before or since, but I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily true. This is, we're reporting on old news. Um, After millions of dollars, tremendous personal embarrassment, go ahead. Oh, um, like, well, with the Australia thing, I mean, we've talked about this with one of our, our followers. We had a call with this person. He'll probably come on the show at some point, but I thought it was interesting because Australia has different rules. They, I feel like are more lenient with mental health. Um, and I, you know, haven't done any like deep diving into their, their safety record, but knowing Australia, um, I know that they're probably have a pretty, pretty safe skies. Um, and, and yet they, they have more leniency with mental health, um, compared to the United States. So uh, yeah, it was a real flex for Bob to go and do that and be like, fuck you. I'm just going to go to a different country and they'll give me a medical and I'll be able to fly again. Um, but (laughs) yeah, the shade, it was a, it was a good flex. Um, so even though, Bob was like pleased to like be vindicated it still kind of left him unsettled so he said Bob's words were what happened was wrong and what happened to me is still happening every day to aviators everywhere who did not have the expert help I had this is America and my sense of patriotism requires me to question authority and right the wrongs I see and the way that FAA deals with pilots for even the slightest problem or infraction seems like such a great wrong. I just won't have it. 20 years ago, we won my battle, but lost the war for every other pilot. And I'm determined to see changes come about so that every pilot in the United States is treated as every American should be. Um, and I think it's such a hard thing, I think, for Bob, because when I think about he went and served his country, he served the government. And then the government turned right back around and stole his wings, you know, and I think that's really messed up. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Um, but one of the reasons that Bob Hoover was vindicated was because of a guy named Norbert Nestor. I think he really left the bombshell at Bob's trial. Um, and this is kind of a, an excerpt from a flying magazine article that we will link. Uh, but it said, he related his encounter this is Norbert Nestor he related his encounter with Hoover during the air show itself and his observations of Hoover's flight performance as well as the kindness shown his admiring son he then had this to say to a totally hushed and stunned courtroom Clint Bowler one of the complaining FAA inspectors said the old bastard has been around a long time and he's not what he once was and he never he has never been violated because of who he is, and it's time he has to stand accountable like everyone else. According to Nestor, Bowler repeated several times that Hoover had to be accountable. So Nestor said that he would not enjoy the dubious distinction of being noted for trying to stop Bob Hoover, to which Bowler replied, 
well, we will see. So Nestor and Buller both work for the FAA. They're both FAA inspectors, but Nestor overheard this. So it's obvious that that FAA inspector, Clint Buller, had it out for for Bob Hoover for some reason. And and that kind of comes back to like being- Jealousy is a disease, bitch, get well soon. (laughs) Exactly. Like, is it jealousy? I I don't know what it was for him, like- but he obviously had some issues. And, and also the, when you have that position of power, sometimes people just want to wield their power to show you that they are in control and you are not, even if you have a well-known name. Um, and I think maybe that probably played into it as well, because this isn't the first time where the FA has wielded its power um, you know, through one person getting upset and then being like, you're never going to hold your monopole again. Um, so what's sad is like Bob Hoover had to go through all this testing when I was reading through all the tests he had to do was like 20 plus tests to prove his mental capacities and, um, the FA and the problem is with the FAA, they send you to these doctors that are contracted by the FAA and it's a whole circle jerk really between the FAA and all the doctors. They're all giving it, patting each other on the back. You pat my back, I'll pat your back. And so anyone who was associated with the FAA that Bob Hoover had to see any of the doctors or they were receiving even university doctors were receiving money from the FAA just kept saying yes he's not fit to fly so that made Bob go outside uh of to a different doctor that was not related to the FAA at all and they said he was fit to fly and this happens often with people who have been have claims against them saying they're medically unfit to fly by the FAA. And then they, they realize like, I can't go to any doctor that is contracted or has a partnership with the FAA. So I'll go outside of the FAA. And those doctors always rule them to be medically fit to fly. And then it's just like the FAA is feels vindictive in my opinion. um, It's literally pilots. It's all the same bullshit all the time. It's like everything that my dad went through when he was seeing doctors at Duke, which were completely separate, like completely whole other just units separated from the FAA, from his AMEs. They constantly were questioning him, like, why are they making you do this? Like, why do you have to do this? We don't understand. Mm -hmm. Like, we physically don't understand why we're having to do this stuff for you because it's not necessary. And at one point, like, there were therapies and things that, like, they just at a certain point were like, we're not doing this to you because, like, it makes no sense. We're we're not going to do something to you that you don't need, which actually in turn might make you worse off. Um, and it just, it feels like that with everything. It's like literally what you said, the little circle jerk, like they're on this little circle jerk. They all like, and they're all old as fuck. That's the thing that I don't understand is they're all super old. They, the FAA touts them like they're these incredible doctors, state-of-the-art, like the best of the best in the United States when they haven't practiced medicine in fucking years. Like it. Uh. And then, like, I just think there's like, you know, like the doctors should not be contracted. They shouldn't be making money or have anything to do with the FAA because it proves that, you know, if you go to one of these doctors, they're always going to side with what the FAA wants them to say. And that's not right. That's not, 
right at all and obviously bob's not the only one this has happened to um he and i only think the reason that he got his medical back is because he was so well known and so think about all the people who don't have any you know teeth in the the game like they're just like new pilots or something and the fa says no you're not getting your medical back and they know that it's wrong but they can't do anything about it because they're not a big name in aviation Mm. so yeah i kind of thought what he had said about like what his quotes were about what happened to him like what happened to me was wrong and this is still happening um it was it was wild to me that that happened in the 90s and still today there are so many people that can identify with that statement and even more haunting is that those words still ring true for hundreds of pilots it's 2022 and that statement literally still rings true right now in this day and age which is fucked up anyway so to continue that flying mad art mag article um so the writer says quote when i got to read the board's opinion i could hardly hold the pages in front of me every rule of judicial review was trashed judge mullins was repeatedly ex- exonerated for the things that never happened to properly dissect this outrageous opinion in order would far exceed the limitations of this article but the hoover case is far from over end quote so yeah kind of like what i was saying like this is just one of those stories where it's like it really truly is a can of worms like we could sit here and talk about this and there are I mean, you can like literally read his case word for fucking word and every word would blow your sock off like over and over and over again. Um, But yeah, it's just anyway. So more importantly than that, the right side. Oh, sorry, (laughs) y'all. More importantly than that, right side, any single pilot is machinery protecting those rights. I have been uneasy for years because I have reportedly been told the FAA wins 90% of its cases before the board. And it is clear why. It is now clear why. So kind of just speaking to his perspective, like the amount of power that the FAA wields, which is just wrong. You know what I mean? like fundamentally that's just wrong you know to to have a whole governmental body be against a civilian and then for them to talent and flaunt the fact that oh yeah we win 90 percent of our cases it's like fucked up it's like yeah because they hire everyone anti-american like that's so anti-american that it's hilarious they win 90 percent because all the people that do the decision making are contracted or work for the faa so of course they're going to win 90 percent of their cases and the other thing is that they don't want to have anything overturned because in the public eye if you see the government making decisions that keep getting overturned and are wrong, then that means that maybe your government body is not really making the greatest decisions. And so they have, it's kind of in their wheelhouse to make sure all of their, their um, pieces are in order, you know, like their house has to be in order. And so I think when these FA inspectors were like, Bob Hoover, you know, has an issue his mental capacities are flawed. Do I think that every FA inspector agreed with them? No, because obviously Norbert Nestor 
didn't agree with that. But I think that the FAA was like, we have to make sure that whatever our inspectors say is backed up, because if we don't, then that calls into question our faculties and what we're deciding. And so even though there could have been people in that in the FAA who disagreed with those two inspectors, they had to be on their team side and say and back them up. And so I think that's why they chose not to give Bob his medical, even if they didn't agree with it. You know, they have everything has to look good. Yeah, they don't want to look like they're wrong. Um, and I think this this next quote. Can I read it? Yeah, go for okay. it. So it, it's both the composition of the board and the power it had grabbed for itself over the years needs strong congressional scrutiny and some redesign. This is no place to be, um, God, I spelled that wrong. Something about due process of law. <laughs> when I typed this out, it was hard because you, there was no copy and pasting and I was trying to type as fast as I could. Um, but it, it, they're basically saying there's no um, balance. There's no checks and balances of control for due process. Um, and it did not find its way into the appeal. And, and the writer said, in my opinion, what the board did to Robert A. Hoover has rubbed luster from the word justice and is in its most literal sense, a rotten shame. And I still think that happens today. I really do think that many of these people who want to get their medicals, there is no justice for them because they're in a circle jerk system that is only there to keep reiterating what the FAA thinks and there's no way to question them because they don't want anyone to question what they're doing. Um, hence why whenever you get online for the FAA, they never answer you back on Instagram. It's giving, it's giving dictatorship. Yeah, it's like there is no, <laughs> no checks and balances. There's, they get to do whatever they want and they have made a system, an aeromedical system where you cannot question them. Their word is the last word. And if you do try to question them, they will take you to trial, which is not actually a real trial. It's not like you have um, the public coming in as and sitting as jurors. It's a closed trial. And so it's very different from what a normal trial would be like. And, and it's just you and CFAA, really. You know, it's like we sit here and we have these conversations about the FAA, but then I, I think about our government as a whole and where we're at right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> whole versus Wade. <laughs> like, like we are literally hopeless. Yeah. We are bound to a ship that is just literally fucking sinking in the water with sharks that are 3000 years old, blind as bats but hungry for blood. I don't know if that made sense, but little euphemism for how I'm feeling about the current state of our society. Um, anyways, yeah, that's just how I feel. It's like hard for me to even have this conversation or lean back and give my perspective because I'm like, it's the same thing I always say. And then we have this conversation that I just, it's like being zoomed in. Oh, wait, am I glitching? only on my side it's just, <laughs> I didn't hear a word you said like earlier I was like oh no where did she go so on my side it's like you're talking and then it goes blank but I don't know if that's happening on your side no I'm just I'm I'm, I'm preaching over here like having a good old time 
Yeah, you missed a, a great euphemism that I made about um, society, but it's okay. You can hear it when you listen to the episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was literally oh, yeah. just talking about Roe versus Wade and the fact that we're like on this shinking, sinking ship and like the sharks in the water are like super old, but they're like blind, but they're hungry for blood. Um, anyways, yeah. <laughs> this has been just lovely a lovely way to wrap up this episode but it's literally i mean it's how i feel it's literally how i feel right now i've said that five times so let's just move on anyways we didn't come here today to be political but we do we do all the time bruh it is bad over on my side so i'm sorry um this is giving me canceled for maintenance vibes because this is what happened in our canceled for maintenance episode and I couldn't hear anyone talking and I was like please don't ask me a question when I can't hear oh my gosh okay wait can you hear me now I can yeah but um it's, it's so weird when glitching so it usually doesn't do this that's why I'm like oh my god what's happening and it's not even giving me like poor signal or anything on my side um, so I was about to say it's not giving me like a warning or anything but okay we'll just move into do you want to do random questions? questions yeah let's do it okay so I'll, I'll, you want to I'll ask me first and then I'll answer and then you answer okay so something random that scared the shit out of you as a child dude um that's actually really difficult my brother was always the scared one so I have a twin brother and like scary movies always scared him like I was always the one that wasn't scared I'm trying to think what would scare me um because my older brother Tyler he's five years older than me so he'd always make us watch like Stephen King movies and that shit would scare me those are like the only movies that would scare me so we watched there's one called storm of the century and it was about this guy who would take children and like i don't know for to be his prodigy and um he always sang the song i'm a little teacup short short and and stout stout. fucking scary in that movie (laughs) i thought you were gonna keep on going i was like here here are Here's Here's my spout. My spout. <laughs> oh my god no that that song is kind of creepy now to me because of that movie so that was like one of the only movies that scared me otherwise I was usually like the the pillar of strength for my my twin brother because he he literally slept and he would come and sleep in my bed until he was like 12 years old so Aww. yeah what about you uh it's so funny because beauty and the beast like curiously that scared you uh, scared the shit out of me man oh my god bro that was scary that. scary <laughs> i'll never forget for one of my birthdays my mom bought me the dvd i popped in and i was so excited and i got like we literally got 30 minutes into that movie they showed the beast for the first time i said i'm out no nope, i'm out bye mm. scared the hell out of me i mean i had like a whole existential crisis after watching 30 minutes of that i'll never forget where i was like i left the living room i went downstairs we had a basement it was unfinished i just went down there and stood in the dark with my dolly for like literally 10 minutes i was terrified bro like i literally was terrified um you're just like scared of the the beast yeah 
just oh the bees. My God, just the bees, just the total. It's it's giving like a bad aesthetic. Like it's giving a bad vibe. It's kind of like how when you go into certain Walmarts, how they give you like this just energy that's not good. That's how yeah. I, I still feel that way about that movie. Like when I watch I watched the new Beauty and the Beast, obviously it didn't scare me, but I still just got like a a bad energy from that movie. Like it's not, it's just not on my rhythm, you yeah. know doesn't align with my frequency anyways <laughs> there was also another movie that one time my mom made me watch that I had nightmares about forever it was something about like angels and demons and like Rome something about God um yeah. but yeah just scared the shit out of me I had nightmares about Jesus for like years after that probably messed up my relationship with God but anyways <sighs> oh and one more one more just one more while we're at it because I won't stop thinking about it if I don't say it one day my grandma came over and she had this movie on and it's probably a really really famous movie because I think it has Brad Pitt in it but there was one scene and the little boy he wasn't a little boy but he was like you know young man he was riding on the tractor plowing the field and he hit a branch and it pushed him back off the tractor and they literally showed him getting like run over by the tiller oh and that literally scarred me scarred okay. me because i grew up in the south man like there's farm equipment everywhere oh yeah. my lord mm. i uh that just reminded me so my older brother he just has always loved like horror like scary stuff so I was watching scary movies and he's five years older than me. So I, he would always like, it wasn't only Stephen King. There was another movie that he showed us and it was, um, God. So the premise was like the mom was poisoning her kids in their food. She was just putting like arsenic or something into their food and they were slowly dying. Death, like dying. And they, they didn't realize she was poisoning them until it was like too late. And she, they all found their graves like out back. She had dug all their graves. So they kind of like figured it out. Uh, that movie haunted me for like a long time. I, I didn't think my mom was going to like poison me, but I was just like, this is really fucked up. Like, yeah, no, it happened it, to you. Sometimes that kind of stuff when you're young, like it really fucks with you, bro. Like it, cause you're not aware of like those kinds of things like in society, you know, you would never think, you, uh, that somebody's mother could be capable of that until yeah. you watch that movie <laughs> what's the syndrome like people actually do this like to their kids there's like a syndrome <sighs> I a movie about I forgot it what it's day. called but yeah I was like these movies that my brother showed me were probably you know I was younger than 10 I was not any older than 10 years old <laughs> like maybe I shouldn't have been watching those but it is what it is. Here I am. It will be what it will be. Yes. That's on character building. So <laughs> next question is something you want, but would never buy yourself. Oh my God. There are a lot of things I want by myself. Um, like a new car, like my car that I have is a 1999, I think. No, 89. It might be 99, 1999 Camry. And my husband has like a 2002 or 2010 V-dub. And I'm like, I refuse to get a new car until my car literally stops running. 
And my husband's like, we need a new car. Like, so we can go to our hiking trips and like, you know, pack all our gear. And I'm like, I just, I can't pull the trigger. And I, but I know like I need a new car, but I just like feel like not until it dies. Well, right now is a terrible time to buy a car. So I know and my <laughs> husband, he wants like a forerunner and I'm like, Oof. just thinking of the gas. <laughs> Yikes. I was like, you have to buy a commuter car. Cause we're like 90 minutes from his base. So, and, and honestly, like two hours, if you really have any traffic in Seattle. So I'm going to be completely like, honest. Yeah. Y'all what? seem like Volvo people. Like I could totally Ooh. see y'all whipping like a, a Volvo with the moonroof, like glass, yeah. maybe like. like put a Thule bar system on there. Yeah. I could, I could hook you up. Um, yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. I can Volvo hook you laying up. around. Bro. No, no. I got that Thule discount. Oh, okay. expert voice, baby. Yeah, I would love that. That's what you get when you work in those outdoor sporting good type of areas. I could get y'all kitted out. Y'all will be ready for the outback in like literally 30 minutes. So y'all come visit me at my work. <laughs> Anyways. Um, ooh, so it's so funny because you're like talking about a car. I was gonna say soda stream. Do you want a soda stream? Yeah, yeah. Like like <laughs> that's like not even apples to oranges here it's just like so different from what i said <laughs> how much is a soda stream dude i can uh, probably not even 100 bucks <laughs> i'm getting i'm gonna buy you a fucking soda stream now that's it's like so funny because both of these questions have been like you've given like this answer and i'm like uh, you're like I would love a new car I would really love a new car I'm like I would love a soda stream <laughs> <laughs> I would love to make soda in sparkling water at home I'm pretty sure like Jesse had one my husband he had one um before he met me and I think he like after he broke up with his his ex-girlfriend she caused him a lot of trauma so he just left almost like all of his shit in his old apartment and he was like i'm done with it and so he doesn't have the soda stream anymore damn uh, i know i was like i can't believe you that's all that stuff but yeah so I mean, shitty that's shitty that's to the, leave power the soda stream behind trauma yeah, yeah god okay so last question show you've been binging or enjoying right now dude you're gonna actually zach will be so proud of me because i watched alone have you guys watched that yes yeah that was so good the survival show I was like I didn't think I'd like it because I don't hunt you know I'm not like Mm -hmm. into survival stuff but I think it's because I was camping and I was like I want to watch this I want to see what it's all about and I really enjoyed it it was amazing you should watch um uh what's a good vibe like that um to take you up another level you should watch meat eater it's actually like so good like aesthetically like if you start from the beginning you're like wow like I literally have never had like Zach drives me nuts he'll sit down and he'll like YouTube he'll like Chromecast to the TV like YouTube videos like people going on these like outback hunting trips and I'm like I cannot watch it but the minute you turn on meat eater and you put Steven Rinella on my uh, screen on my TV through Netflix. <laughs> I'm here, baby. I am here. Steven Ranella gives me like Bear Girls vibes. So like 
kind of on that level. He's, he's daddy for sure. For sure. We were, uh, you know, you were talking about bears earlier before we started recording and it brought me right back to alone and all the goddamn bears that they had to deal with. I was like, dude, I could, I, the one guy, Clay was his name. He's the one who won the alone show, but that bear that, um, just went straight for him, charged him. And he was like five feet from it. I just couldn't even believe it. I would have been screaming. (laughs) I don't know what I would have done. I'm like, I'm a goner. This is my death. I'm going to die from a bear. Fuck that. Uh-uh. No, I don't do wildlife like that. Like, I love bears, but bears scare the shit out of me. That's why I like them. And they were but, all grizzlies, too. I was like, those are the, the killers. Yeah, that's so funny because the show that I've been watching, this is perfect segue because show that I've been watching slash binging has been The Great on Hulu, which is about Catherine the Great. It's kind of like a dramedy, comedy whatever series but in that series she has a pet bear like a like just like i guess the emperor like you know alexander the great or whatever he gives her a bear as a gift and like she'd be walking through the forest with a bear as a pet is it a black bear (laughs) i don't know i think it's like just a little brown bear i just uh saw this like tiktok and it was this girl holding the baby grizzly and she's all laughing, and then the grizzly oh, literally bites her on the chin. I know and what you're talking about. I watched that it video. It was so terrible. I was like, dude, who would hold a bear? I like that close to your face. No, not that's not the business. It's a no from me. All right, y'all. Well, we're gonna have to wrap it up because I'm like about to burst at the seams. I got a piece so bad. <laughs> oh my lord. But it's been real as always. Um, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It does really, really help our platform um, and boost us to the people that need it, dude. So yeah, when we ask for that kind of stuff and you're wondering like, why should I do that? Um, you're helping us reach people that we might not otherwise who might really need to hear this message. So yeah, rate review and subscribe to the show and as always keep that blue side up and that brown side down y'all avinola is a small batch gourmet granola that's made with grain and gluten-free ingredients it's made from ancient lupini beans which are filled with fiber and tons of plant protein it's less than one gram of sugar and only 95 calories per serving. It's a zero guilt snack that checks all the boxes and loads of fiber to keep you feeling full. So Emma, what's your favorite part of Avinola? Well, obviously y'all already know I love the chocolate, but the coconut almond vanilla is also very, very good. Um, besides just eating it straight out of the bag because it's that delicious, I love to make like a Greek yogurt bowl, bunch of avinola, honey, berries, macadamia nuts, maybe some pecans. I don't know, whatever my little heart is feeling. But that is my favorite way to enjoy avinola. And I especially love this company and this brand because A, it's a small business and B, it is women owned and created. We absolutely love Maggie. And if you haven't already, go back and listen to her episode. But you guys can use discount code PILOTSPANDEMIC for 15% off 
your order of Avinola. So code pilots pandemic.